Hello, Internet, and welcome to episode 72 of Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Andrew Wynn, and joined with me today is Mr. Mike Freeman. Well, hello. Hello, Mike. <laughs> hey, missed you our last recording. Uh, yeah. It was just Stephen and I, but this time it's just you and I. I uh, I listened to last ones. Oh, did you? The last one, yeah. Yeah, did you I, enjoy your recommendations? I, I did. I did. I, in fact, Stephen quoted someone, and I, uh, someone he quoted someone quoting someone, and I knew who the original quote was from. Oh, okay. And so I paused it, and I Marco Poloed him and said, "By the way, the person you're quoting is G.K. Chesterton." But okay, uh, okay. For, what was, for what our, was the quote? Do you, do you remember? Yeah, yeah. It's the uh, anything worth doing good is worth doing bad. Okay. Yeah, okay. or that's a paraphrase. I think he says anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly. Okay. But yeah. That's cool. Oh, that, 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 that idea of giving yourself about, to, to growth yeah. and learning, yeah, learning yeah. something. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I like that. And then um, actually what I thought was appropriate was that the week that episode went out was also the same week you spoke on godly discernment uh, through through our church's podcast. Actually, if, if people are listening right now, you can actually go back and I believe it's the sermon right after that last episode that, that should be there. On Track with God's Word, I think is the yeah. title of that. Yep, yep. And what I appreciated about that, because that's what we were trying to talk about, or at least that was the caveat right before we went into our recommendations, is that like, you can find something wrong with it just about any author eventually. I mean, if you wanted to, you could probably find something wrong with us and be like, this is why you shouldn't listen to these guys. Well, you bring that up actually, Andrew. Yeah. I wanted to... <laughs> I even said on that episode too that how you uh, you pulled me aside, didn't pull me aside, but we talked about one of my last messages, and you said, "Hey, this is an error." And I was like, yes. "Oh yeah, all right." So anyway, Mike, how are you doing, man? How are, what's going What's going on in your world? I am enjoying life. Life is really busy right now. Yeah, uh, we probably say that every week, so I should probably just stop saying that. But I'm really enjoying the fall ministry season. You, you and I both, uh, and Stephen last week we were in uh, Grand Mound for a handful of days at the Northwest Baptist Convention, yeah. our gathering of churches and pastors. And then this weekend, we had our our church's annual business meeting where we affirmed a budget and really spent a lot of time just... We tried to just share, hear the wins from the last yeah. 19 months, and then also hear some of the challenges and some of the plans moving forward. And uh, and so all of that back-to-back -back was a terrible idea, but, uh, but God ended up he was really kind to us, and That's we had a, we had a great week. I had a lot of fun. We were at Great Wolf Lodge. My kids had a blast. Uh, Asher is now barely tall enough to do the howling tornado. At oh, is Great he? Wolf Lodge. Okay, yeah. Because you didn't go into the water park at all. No, not this year. No, no. So we actually uh, we had him wear his sandals. <laughs> okay. So that he measured just tall enough to be able to. You know, okay, that's the one where you get in the inner tube, right? And you got to hold on to it, and then it yeah, goes in that and it's big, that big like drum or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like when, yeah. You're, when you're driving down here in the Northwest, if you're driving an I five from like Seattle to Portland, yep. you see Great Wolf Lodge, and there's this huge like orange and yellow yep. like funnel thing. It's huge, and it is. Uh, that's that's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So and you know you go down it, and then there's a just a giant drop, and then you yeah. just go splish splash in this barrel thing, but. uh Asher was able to do it. He was so nervous and I wish I would have like had a GoPro with me or something yeah. because he is holding on and he's enjoying it, but he's like the most serious face, the biggest eyes, like his jaw clenched, like, <laughs> uh, like it, it was so fun and so funny. It was I, a great time. I wish I would have been able to see that. So, you know, next year I'm going to have to get you a GoPro for sure. Just to, just to live your life out there amongst the, man. the kids, man. That's it was, so it cool. was good. It was a good week. And then our, our church's annual meeting, really positive. We went, you know, we had basically two hours of 
pra- <laughs> praising God for yeah. what he's been doing. And my brother right before that goes, Hey Andrew, uh, how long is this meeting? And I was like, ah, oh, probably like an hour and a half, but like most likely like an hour. Uh, we got through the worship and I looked at the, the clock and I was like, Oh no. So, cause he was planning on some appointments afterwards, but I was like, we're in it. And then once we hit two hours, I was like, Oh man, <laughs> but it was a good two hours. It was a worthwhile, like everything we talked about, I, to me, it was incredibly edifying and encouraging. And I, I man, I, I've grown up going to churches where like when you have a chance to be in a business meeting, someone sees that as an opportunity to just sound off and to just rail on someone. That has not been the case since I've been at this church. I have loved a lot of our business meetings, but especially like this last one, I love that we can honestly just look at some of the challenges that we were facing mm-hmm. and in unity, we're like, okay, we're going to move forward together. There wasn't like a person being like, oh, what? Uh, uh. it was just like, all right, here's what's in front of us. Let's keep tracking along. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really cool. And uh, just, it was, it's amazing to see in the last year what God's done. I mean, yeah. you, you made the observation that, uh, a year ago, we had nothing going on in youth or, or kids ministry. Yeah. No yeah. gatherings at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you kind of joked around Mike and said, Mike was like, hey, this needs to happen. <laughs> and I, I, Yeah, I joked about that. And your eyes were very big <laughs> in that conversation. And that was a couple weeks worth of a conversation like, hey, it was. hey, no, let's, it, let's get moving. No, no. Know. we had, we had, like So for anyone listening from our church, we had actually talked during the summer, like, hey, in the fall, we need to revisit this and got to see what, what's going on. And when the time came, it was just like, all right, let's launch this. But I, uh, the observation was that we, when we launched back into children's ministry, I didn't have that team that I had pre-COVID anymore. They were all uh, dealing with different things and just, just life has just changed. I mean, all of our lives have changed from the shutdown and everything else. And we went from zero to like, a lot of numbers that I shared that night. And I, I, th- I shared that because the context of everything, yeah. I mean, even if you didn't have that context, I think it's pretty impressive. But to know that we had nothing and then we hadn't had like a handful of like church kids, like six or seven kids to now, I, I shared like we average about 84 different kids come through our program every week. These are different kids, not like we have repeats that come, but these are different kids showing up for different things. The majority, two thirds of our registered kids right now are kids outside of our church that come from families that need Jesus right now. That is amazing to me. It's, and, it's yeah. beautiful to watch God work. And, you know, we're, we're not trying to be the fanciest church. We don't have all the bells and whistles. We're right. just trying to faithfully love people and do good work and share the gospel and hold tight to the scripture. And God in his kindness is using that in some wonderful ways. And so this was a great week. Uh, great Wolf Lodge was really fun for me. Honestly, I got to see pastors I haven't seen in a couple of years, got to have a few really good conversations, really was encouraging just to see God's not just in the mo- on the move here in Valley, but across the Northwest I'm, and right. I, I know across the world, but lots of other churches are, God's doing some really cool things and it, it was really fun to to be part of that. And I know you really enjoyed Great Wolf Lodge also. I did. I, I did. I was going to ask you if you wanted to share this, Mike. Um, so I, I I always, I guess I'll confess, uh, just because I've been going to convention for years, I typically have had like a pretty poor attitude about it. Um, just because like it, 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 sometimes it just seemed like I was meeting people who didn't really care for each other. Like it was just business as usual. And um, this year I asked you, I just felt it in my heart. I'm like, I need to prepare myself like mentally and emotionally and, and spiritually. And I asked you like, Hey, how should I position myself as we enter into to convention? And one of the things that you shared with me was, Hey, just, you know, love and connect with, with other pastors. And honestly, that was on my mind. Even the times when I was like, Hey, I need to go write some emails and 
coordinate. I was like, okay, do this in the lobby because you might run into someone or see someone that you need to connect with or something like that. But um, I, I guess I, I wanted to share like what, if you didn't mind, like what, how did you position yourself? Or I guess what is your heart's intent for you when you go to meet with other pastors like that? Does that make a question make sense? Yeah. Yeah. In our conversation on the phone, I think, I think we called each other or we were pulling each other back and forth. Yeah. Just the idea of whatever opportunities in front of you, whatever pastors in front of you, whatever person's in front of you, just meet them right where they are and care for them however you can. And, um, I, I don't think, I think in other places of the world, it might be different. I feel like in the Northwest, things aren't really political in the way we do convention. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't feel like there's people, maybe there are, maybe I'm ignorant to it, but people jockeying for position. And so, you know, you interact with someone who's got uh, a really big, thriving, healthy church and you recognize, hey, we can encourage each other back and forth. And then you interact with someone who maybe has a struggling church or mm -hmm. a small church or a rural church or whatever it is. And I learn just as much from them and I'm encouraged by them as I encourage them as well. And so I just try to take these events and say, whatever relationships God puts in front of me, I'm just going to embrace them and enjoy them for whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. There's a lot of freedom in that. See, and I, I'm thankful you shared that because what you said, it reminded me that everything that we do, it's about glorifying Christ and it's about serving his people, right? It's connecting with them. And it, it, I find it interesting that you just said that you don't find people jockeying for position. You don't see it as very political. And I, when I hear the word political in this context, I'm not thinking about um, like Republicans and Democrats. I'm thinking about people positioning themselves to climb up the ladder, quote unquote, within the, the Christian world or the Southern Baptist world and things. And to be honest with you, uh, that was my experience when I first started going to convention when I was a much younger person. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, that's kind of the, one of the reasons why, like after a while I would show up and I would start to make my Jesus concerts and kind of make fun of people because I, I that was me trolling people. Just, I thought they were, I thought they were making it about the, the weirdest and the, the, the wrong things. Yeah. And what I appreciated about our connection right before that is that you, God used you to convict me about changing my heart. And when I got there, I finally got to see that Randy, Randy Adams, who is our executive director, he has not been business as usual when it comes to convention and networking. I, my, I, I didn't see, I honestly hadn't seen yeah. the changes that he's been fighting for and the care and, and just the heart behind so much. It made me really, uh, I'll use the word prideful, I guess, or proud to be part of at least the Northwest Baptist convention when it comes to Southern Baptist churches, networking and things. I saw people who, who would go into positions, not because it made them look good on a resume or something like that. And like, cause I have a hard time with people who treat like youth ministry and other ministries as stepping stones to something bigger, but, um, I didn't see that. I saw people who were like humble about things and like, listen, they saw the responsibility of the positions they, they, they get maybe be voted into cause they see the future. We're as a, as a network of churches, we're fighting for the future of our generations and things like that. And I, I saw that this year and that was inspiring to me because normally I don't say normally in the past when I, when I see people who are just business as usual, just looking to make themselves look better. It's disheartening. And I, I, I walk away with it. Like, well, like I just got to keep doing what we're doing at our church because I don't know what's happening over here. And that's, that's right. weird. I don't want to get involved with this guy, but this year allowing God to change my heart and my mind, I could finally see what God's been doing for the last few years since Randy has been here. And I think there's a, 
just an excitement to partner together in, in legitimate ways. And this yeah. is even happening, not just in the Northwest Baptist convention, but we're part of a smaller network, the, um, Southwest Washington Baptist association. Yeah. And, um, and even in that group, there's a handful of us and we're just saying, Hey, we're going to make sure with a, a handful of us, we're, we're meeting with every pastor in the area, a cup of coffee, maybe a, a meal or taking their family, their, their pastor and his wife out for dinner, just caring and seeing how, how we can, serve them, what opportunities we can partner together with. Really the idea is, Hey, what is it that we can do for you? And what is it that you uh, would like to partner with other churches and do together? You know, that, that feeling of let's just serve the Lord together. And uh, regardless of any of the externals. That's, that's such a beautiful thing. And with that, actually, that encouraged me to think about just even our own meeting as a church annually. You know, it's, it was fun to hear reports from men's ministry, women's ministry, youth ministry, children's ministry, and to even think about what we're doing to answer our mission statement at a local sense. And that challenges me to think, man, at every level, at every level, whether you're just an individual attending a church or a church connecting with other churches, it's really healthy to every now and then, like, poke your head up. Look around, mm-hmm. see where you can answer a need and walk alongside someone else. You know, I, granted, we all have our things. We all have to be stewards of our own time and all these things like that too. But there's opportunity to, to love and care for others and experience God when we just poke our head up, look around. So I, I would encourage that to anyone listening, whatever church they attend or, or anything, just get, get involved. So, yeah. Yeah. So that was wonderful. It sounds like you had a good experience there. I did. I, uh. There was, you know, I think people listening know that I'm still dealing with like stuff with my back and everything. So actually listening to you uh, tell the story of Asher going through that ride and you talking about the drops and the twists and the turns. And I, <laughs> I was imagining how I would feel that. And I was like, oh, man, I would I would hate life. You would I, die. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't I didn't go to the water park, not because um, I didn't want to. But there was just I was in between things. I was working on different things and. And I just didn't think about it. But now, now that in hindsight, I was like, oh, I probably would have hurt myself if I would have gone. So, you know, one of the greatest moments we've ever shared together was in that water park. Yeah. You'll have to run that by me. I, I don't remember. It was uh, your first time in the water park with you and Steven. And was, uh, was it Alex or was it Dave that was with you? And uh, I had sharked you guys into helping me try to find Jaden. And as we were looking around the park. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that was Vinny. <laughs> was, was, it was Vinny. I, I think it was right. Vinny. Yeah. And <laughs> I yeah. had uh, positioned you right before the 100,000 gallons of water yeah, that okay. jump so out of it. And in this water park, they've got one of those things at the very top of the water park. There's a bucket that fills with water and it's it just giant. fills and it's huge. It's like the size of like two sedans. Yeah. It just fills and fills and fills. And eventually it, it tips over and it cascades this huge thing of water. And I guess, yeah, you had been timing it. And then you were like, hey, we got to look for my son, whatever. Like, uh, you guys look over there. Just wait here for a second. I'm going to go check on something. And I remember I, I was standing there with Vinny, like, just looking. And then out of nowhere, just gallons of water comes crashing down on me and Vinny. Almost knocked me to the ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that now. That was a good moment. Oh, man. That's funny. Oh, yeah. Those are those are good moments. Yeah. yeah. No, but, the, yeah, the convention itself was fun. It is a... Uh, I've had the opportunity to uh, speak at a couple other churches lately, and it was fun just connecting with them and just seeing them. And uh, again, just trying to network more, I guess. You're speaking at a Vietnamese church soon, right? Oh, my gosh. Okay, here's a fun story for, for people. Uh, I, I don't know if, if, you, if you're listening to this. You, if you don't know me, just so you know, I'm, I'm a Vietnamese American. I'm the first generation born here in the U.S. Um, I understand Vietnamese kind of. 
but I don't speak it. I've been out of the house for a long time, so I have it, it takes a while for me to pick it back up. Anyway, there's a guy, a part of our association, who pastors like a Vietnamese church, and he came flying up to me that the day one and rattled something off, and I was trying to catch up with what he said, and I just said, oh, oh okay, and I, I agreed to whatever, and then he walked away. And then he walked back towards me and on the way back, he's like, hey, so we'll call you because it's, it's going to be like on the 12th or something. And I was like, wait, what <laughs> did I just agree? Like what? So I think I agreed to speak or something, but he actually never called me. So I'm he hoping told me it was a, an interview you agreed to. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was a crazy moment. So, all right, Mike, we're about 15 minutes into this. Are you, uh, are you ready to dive into our topic for today? We are. All right. So this is week three of the same topic, I think. It is. It is. So we, almost a month now ago, we started on uh, our series on systematic theology, uh, just talking about why it's important, what systematic theology is versus just biblical theology or other theologies, and that we're looking at what the entire Bible has to say about a specific topic. So then we jumped into how God reveals himself. And which started with general revelation that God generally reveals himself so that humanity is without excuse to know that there is a God. And then we know that God also specifically reveals himself. That is what we call special revelation. And those encounters have been uh, captured in what we call the Bible today. And then we went through, uh, I think the next episode, how we know that those are the encounters of God, what God wanted and how they are inspired, how they are um, canonized, how they, it goes through the entire process of how we know that the Bible that we have today, the 66 books of the Bible, these are the words of God. They, they're, they're, they're copies, like they're, they're, they come from translations and they are important to us. So uh, today, I think we're going to actually step into the implications of that. If, if, if the Bible that we hold to is God revealing himself in a very specific way, revealing who he is, his character, and what he has to say about humanity, uh, there are implications that we need to hold on to as we move forward. Am I getting this right? It's a great summary, and it's a great uh, launching point because we really do say, you know, if in fact this is God's word, and we, we've made the case that there's, there's, there are credible reasons to believe this is the word of God, mm-hmm. right? Now, I can't convince anyone that it's the word of God. That's got to be something God does in their, in their, their soul. Um, God gives that illumination. But, but if, if it is, in fact, the word of God, which we believe it is, then it, it's a game changer. It is, yeah. It, this is not like, you know, um, book recommendations that some podcasts like to talk about. <laughs> you're, but you're right. That's even in that episode last <laughs> time we talked about. That we don't want to... Men... We, we, we derive our theology and from our theology, we derive our philosophies and our methods of how we live our lives. But ultimately, as specifically Christians, the word of God will always trump any thought or philosophy of man. Yeah. And so that's this, if this is really is the authoritative word of God, this is what we hold on to then as the source. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And so we, this is these implications then, um, there are four that we want to talk about today, and there, there are others, certainly others, but these are what some theologians consider the, the highest four implications for us as we hold these, these words in our hands, right? Mm-hmm. As we, you know, open up our, our Bible or as we, you know, turn on our iPad and whatever, um, program we read the scripture with, what are the implications? What are, what should we be thinking? How should we be interacting? What should we be believing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how should this be changing us? And so the first implication then is in, in a word, 
authority. Yep. If this is God's word, and if God is the maker of heaven and earth, if this is how he has revealed himself to us, how he's revealed who we really are, and how he's revealed how the world actually works, that means this book, it holds the highest authority in our lives. Um, that means this book, when we read it, what we read is intended to be obeyed. Uh, the Bible is not suggestions. It's not, yeah. The, the Bible is not a, you know, maybe some hints about how to live a happy and a healthy life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, I do think that the true joy you find when you read the scripture. Mm-hmm. You think about Psalm 1, and the man who is blessed in that psalm is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. This is the person who, they, they don't just, you know, like, oh, you know, I, God's word is okay once in a while or on the weekends or, or whatnot. I, I delight in it. I, I think about it. I love it. It has my affection. Mm-hmm. And then I meditate on it day and night. Well, why do I meditate on it day and night? I meditate day and night on the word so I know how to think. Because left to my own thoughts, left to my own devices, I'm probably not going to think about things clearly. I'm probably going to let my emotions or my selfish desires or the world around me, society around me, influence my thinking, influence my actions, influence my my words. Mm-hmm. And uh, go ahead. Yeah. So, so you're saying a lot here, and it makes me think of a couple of illustrations. And when we say the word authority, how the Bible, if, if the Bible truly is God's word, we see it as authority. And when we mean authority... A great example of that is actually like a uh, a board game, or or uh, actually a good uh, illustration you could do is uh, Uno, uh, the game, the card game Uno. Now everyone has like house rules, right? When you get together, you play the game yeah. however you want. But eventually, sometimes you'll run into someone who has different house rules than you do, and then you're thinking, well, whose rules trump the other person's rule? Well, what you got to do is you have to go to the source of who created the game, and the person who created the game. They 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 have a, the instructions. They those are that is the ruler. That's the measure that we use to really rule when someone's rules are not in alignment with the overall rules. So for us, the Bible is that authority. So when people talk about how, like philosophies and how they should draw their lines morally, or even how they should um, live their lives from a philosophical standpoint, they, everyone might have their interpretations. But the truth is, we want to go to the source, the true authority, and. I, you, you talked about people who um, who kind of pick and choose from from other other thoughts and things like that too. I mean, that's that's I, I have a hard time with that. And this is a, an oversimplification. But if we go back to the idea of a game, even like I, I just got, I just watched Moneyball like a couple of weeks ago. And uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really into it um, because it's it's it made it made baseball far more fascinating to me because I think of it now as a, like a, a deck building game. That's another conversation, but. Um, <laughs> But basically, like, if you had different schools of thoughts, like, I can't sit here and say that football is better than baseball or baseball is better than a different game. And maybe you have opinions on that, but, like, they all have different rules. And you can't sit here and be like, well, if you're going to play the game of baseball, well, let's just adopt some rules from football. And let's take a couple rules from soccer. Let's take a couple rules from other things. That, that doesn't make any sense. Eventually, it's going to fall apart. Well, that's, I don't know. If, if the Bible is authoritative and it's from the author of life, God himself kind of shows us how life is meant to be lived. It shows us how the systems work. And if we want to experience life to the fullest in many ways, I, I think it's about getting in line with his 
his design. And that's why we approach the word of God from his authority yeah. because he has the authority to tell us how things are supposed to work because he put them together. That's right. And you know, we can think about it this in a couple different ways. One is we can think of it as authority and we can look at it as authoritarian, like, Oh, God's going to tell me what to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And we can have that attitude. But the other side of that, maybe another illustration from maybe from your world is working out. Yeah. There is a correct way to do a squat. And if you do it the correct way, you will build muscle and you'll be healthy. If you don't do it the correct way, your life is going to get messed up, right? There's going to cause pain. See, God didn't just give us these laws because he's arbitrarily trying to like control our lives. And he's, you know, this puppet master, he, he designed the world to work a certain way and his word reflects that design. And when we live life his way, it actually works out the best way possible. Yeah. Actually, that that is an amazing illustration because you're right. Our human bodies are designed specifically for efficient motor patterns. Like the way you move, there there is a line. There's a very significant pattern of like this is the most efficient way to do this. And the more you deviate from that line, the more damage actually you do to your own body. And actually, that's that's a great way of looking at the Bible too. Because the Bible, when we say like a theology of or a theology of marriage or a theology of finances, in many ways we're going to be looking at how God is authority from He's saying this is how it's designed. And the closer we stick to that, it's efficient. But the further we get away from that, the more we are broken in our sin. And it starts to cause pain. That's right. In that. Yeah. You think about the the sexual revolution and all of the uh, yeah. different ways that we're we're pushing against the the way God's designed it. And those, you know, those paths they lead to, you know, broken cisterns that are empty and dried up with mm-hmm. no actual no real hope, right? They don't lead to flourishing. They don't lead to true joy in living in God's ways. You think about the commandment to honor your father and mother, mm-hmm. right? That actually has a promise mm-hmm. that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God gives you. There's a there's a promise when you obey, especially the way God's designed the world to work, revealed in his word. When you live according to his word, life works. Now, this isn't a blanket promise that says your life is going to be without any difficulty. The Bible actually speaks to when you, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, right? And so there, this isn't saying there's no persecution, there's no difficulty, there's no sickness, no pain. But generally speaking, living life God's way, mm-hmm. it works better. Now, yeah. That's the book of Proverbs summarized, actually. Yeah, you know? yeah, it, yeah, in many ways. And so, yeah, so when we think about authority, it's, it's yeah, I love that you mentioned it because it's not about God, like, this is how you should live because like I'm just a dictator. It's, man, he designed it and he wants us to know, this is how, if you want to, a blessing, if you want to show favor, if you want to be, I, I know Gen Z right now, the, from a sociological standpoint, they talk about they want to be happy, but not true happiness, true joy is found in Christ. I, it sounds really hokey to say that, but that's the design. That really is the design. So when we go and we try to find our own way and we try to find ways that, or rules that justify our actions, it, it's actually just hurting us more and more. That's right. Our second word is uh, clarity. Yeah, clarity. Um, the the fancy phrase for this is perspicuity, right? And and this oh, I've is, never heard that word perspicuity. Oh, really? Yeah, and it means clarity. Okay, but, but the idea is that the by and large the Bible is is a book that the average person can interact with and they can they can get the the meaning from it. Yeah. Now this doesn't mean that there are not passages that are difficult. Mm-hmm. This doesn't mean that there are not portions that require diligence of study mm-hmm. but but by and large the message of the scripture is is accessible mm-hmm. it's clear and it's 
it's something that anyone can, if they, they read through it, they can get it. That, that's the idea of, of clarity. I appreciate you saying that and bringing this up because the Bible is, is clear. And I, I think what you just said is like the overall message of it. It's, it's the Bible, God's not trying to hide secret hidden messages and all these things. Um, years ago, years ago when I was a youth pastor in a different church, I had a student that was really struggling and they were trying to get to know God. They were trying to do all these things. And in this message they sent me, they were, they were asking for help because it's like, you know, I try reading the Bible. I try really paying attention to find all the hidden codes and all the hidden meanings so I could finally find meaning in it and all these things. And I'm just not finding anything. And I feel like God's not speaking to me. And it's interesting that this person said this because I think we live in a culture now that we're always looking for like some crazy conspiracy Da Vinci code in the Bible and all these things. But that's not... That's not how it was meant to be read. It's, we're not approaching this with like, I don't know, decoders and all these things like that. When we talk about study, we're just asking like, well, what did this mean to the original audience? And just putting things in that context. But it's not like, all right, the third toe of this camel in Daniel, that means something to the fifth chapter of I don't know, Galatians and like just going on these crazy rabbit trails. I think that's a... Uh, I think if people want to know the Bible, honestly, just pick it up and read it. Yeah. I had a seminary professor. He used an illustration. He said the Bible is like uh, an ocean where um, a, a child can can play in the shallows, mm-hmm. but the the greatest swimmer in the world can never plumb the depths, yeah. right? And so it's accessible it. yeah. to everyone. Yet, just because you've read it once doesn't mean you, you know it all. all right. Um, the more you read it, the more layers you do see that there are, there are the more connections you make between old Testament and new Testament. Mm-hmm. And then if you push yourself even further, you, you can get into the original languages and mm-hmm. then th- there's even greater depths that you can, you can dive into and you can discover and you can learn more and more nuance, more and more clarity around things. Mm-hmm. And this is a lot of what happens in preaching, right? Preaching, you have someone who's trained to dive a little bit deeper than maybe the average person that's just reading the Bible devotionally. And so when, when someone studies the word, when they're able to make some of those connections, when they're working with the original language and when they're, they're diving into the meaning of words, uh, especially the meaning for the original audience, they're able to bring something to the table, but good preaching, what it does is they've got their finger on the Bible the whole time. And they're saying, look, you can see this is here. Yeah. You, you can see this connects. You can see it's right there in front of you. Yep. And so anyone can understand it. it the point we're making is it's clear. Yeah. Uh, in, in the notes of the document that we will probably have attached to this episode, it says that scripture is sufficiently clear to leave people with no excuse for disobedience to their present duties. So even at the level of like you're reading it, you know, you read through the Ten Commandments and it says thou shalt not murder. It's, it's pretty clear. What do you mean by murder? I mean, what are you talking about? Like, what yeah. if what if they make me really mad, or you know, you know, or what if yeah, you, you try to find all these justifications, but it's pretty clear. Yeah, don't it is very murder. Clear. Now, now, actually, that's a good example because then we can go into clarity because the Bible says don't murder, but oftentimes our society says do not kill. Yep. Right. Those are actually distinctions, and then we dive into that study and we draw out those the the intended meaning behind that. So right. that's that's another conversation there, but also like the Bible says, don't lie, don't do this. Like th- there are a lot of things that at the surface are pretty plain, and when you read those things, it's message the message of humanity's need for Jesus is pretty clear. Like we can't we can't get out of that. So yeah, and I was actually just gonna say, you know, you think about that. Do not do not murder. Mm-hmm. Um, we preached on that. We did. That yeah. was in our Ten Commandments series, and maybe that's even something worth linking to there, um, because 
there is a depth there that mm-hmm. can be uncovered. Mm-hmm. What is the difference between killing and murdering? How how does this apply? We actually talked even about things like self-defense and mm-hmm. the role of, of the legal system to you know punish the evildoer. Mm-hmm. The government has a sword. Well, there's all those different connections, all those different layers. Do not murder is clear, but this is actually a fascinating topic to, to think about even bro- or, or in a more broad fashion. Yeah. What all does the scripture speak? And that's what we're talking about. It's yeah. clear. But there are layers. And that's what we're saying. Yeah. Because that's the the shallows of a child playing in the ocean right there. It's like, don't murder. That's pretty good. But then as as you get more advanced in life, right, the, the deeper you go, you start to bring in those 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 clarifications and un- deeper understandings. And, and it brings a lot more clarity in that. And that's, that's I guess, what we're getting at with that, that uh, the idea of clarity. So, yeah. Uh, do we want to go into the next word? Let's do it. Yep. Okay. So the fourth implication, or sorry, the third implication is necessity. The Bible is necessary for knowing the gospel, for maintaining spiritual life, and for knowing God's will, but is not necessary for knowing that God exists or for knowing something about God's character and moral laws. Yeah. You following all that? For the most part. Yeah. So I know like, so there's earlier things, but the last part is the Bible. We don't need the Bible to know that God exists because that's general revelation is what tells us that, that God exists. Uh, the second part says, or for knowing something about God's character and moral laws, that's because that's already written in our hearts, right? Romans says that we, we have the commands of God in our, in our hearts and we know, we know when we've sinned, we know when we've done wrong. Mm-hmm. So, okay. What this is really actually my, my language here, when we talk about necessity, we're saying you need the Bible to understand salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can know there's a God in general revelation. You can know that he's, he's powerful in general revelation. Okay. You can recognize that because you just look at his power in creation, but to understand the gospel, the death and resurrection of Christ, we need, we need the scripture or we need someone teaching us the scripture, explaining the gospel to us, which has been revealed in the scripture. That's, that's the point of this. It's necessary. It's necessary. We need it. It's, it's vital Mm -hmm. really for salvation is, is the point there. Yep. And, and not just salvation, but also like sanctification, right? Maintaining that spiritual life. You, this last week, we we hit hard uh, on sanctification, and I, I was just cheering from cheering from the congregation. Uh, I, I've just realized how much of like I think my passion in life right now is just to see people get saved and continue to be sanctified as we grow, as you start to begin this journey. And in many ways, I don't think people realize that, but when you get saved, like that's that's the beginning of so much. And it's not about you. I like, it's not about you like figuring out who you are because God has already defined who you are. It's the rest of your life. God is revealing more and more about who you've been intended to be. And that happens as we continue to engage in the word of God. And we need that as we start to struggle. And as we start to face uh, other, other parts of brokenness and humanity, we still need the word of God to seek encouragement and to seek direction as we face those things. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a tangent. Sorry. So that's good. All right. We could, we could talk about sanctification for the rest of our podcast if we want. We could. <laughs> I, in many ways, I think we kind of do already. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we see that the Bible is, is necessary. What about, what would you say then to the person, or I guess, Mike, how would you encourage the person who says, you know what, I know, I know the Bible is necessary and I know I need to, to get in there, but I just have a hard time cracking it open and just start reading it. Like what, what do I do to get more of the Bible, I guess, in my, in my view or mm-hmm. something? 
Yeah. Great question. And that I love it when someone asks that kind of question because they're recognizing this tension. Like, I know this is good for me. I want it, but it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's like starting a new diet yeah. or it's like starting to work out. I know this is good for me. I know it's important, but it's hard and there's habits that need to be changed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yet when you do a diet or when you do start working out and you get down the road, you start to love it. Yeah. Same thing with the scripture. You, the more you read it, actually even more so with the scripture, you're going to fall in love with it. So what I would say is start small, mm -hmm. right? You, you don't got to go on a, uh, you know, I'm going to only eat vegetables for the rest of my life, right from the start diet. Yeah. You start small. You say, okay, I'm going to read a chapter a day. Maybe that's too much for someone. Mm -hmm. If it is, okay, well, let's start even smaller than that. Let's find a verse a day or let's listen to a podcast or even an audio Bible of a verse or mm -hmm. a, of, you know, of a chapter a day. Start small is really, really important. The other thing is tell someone you're going to do it. Yeah. What's the difference for you, Andrew, if you say, hey, I'm going to commit to this workout regimen if you tell someone versus if you just have it in your mind? It's that accountability, that community, because you, you know that someone's going to ask you, ask you about it. And so you, it gives you a little more motivation to jump in there. It does. And even more so, what if you do it with someone? Yeah. You know, I think you, you're coaching a handful of boys and working out, right? Mm -hmm. And part of why they love that is because they're together with their friends. Right. Right. My son's one of those guys. He, he loves going over there and he loves the workout. He really does. Mm -hmm. But he also loves that His buddies are right there with him and they're yep. joking with each other and picking on each other and and having a great time together. And so it's becoming part of their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But it, it's enjoyable because they're in community. Yeah. And yeah. so you don't have to be a Bible scholar to say, hey, can we sit down? Can we read the Bible together once a week? Can we read a chapter together and talk about it? Or can we be on the same reading plan together and yeah. just ask each other about it regularly? That That's why we actually have the Valley Reading Plan. Mm -hmm. The Valley Reading Plan is a great tool to get people reading their Bible. But one of the beauties of it is if you're reading it and so is your wife or your husband mm -hmm. or so is your best friend or so is your or so are your kids, you guys can say, hey, what did you think about that chapter we read today? Any thoughts? Yeah. You know, or say, hey, when I was reading it today, it made me think of this. And uh, it builds community as you as you dig in it together. It sure does. I, uh, I'm i excited for my brother's growth, but I've seen him grab a hold of the Valley Reading Plan. And there are many times when he's like, hey, man, will you read this with me? Let's talk about this. Let's let's go through this. And that's that's him on his own journey. And what I, everything you just said, it's all about breaking down the challenge into a smaller step that's manageable. So if you're the kind of person that maybe you do enjoy reading, but reading the entire, like a huge reading plan is too much, you could just take the Valley Reading Plan and just focus on just the New Testament or that's just right. the Old Testament, just like a small, small bit. Or maybe if you want that community, joining a Bible study in that life group kind of helps too. I know other people, like when I first first started, I, I like growing in my faith, it was a lot of Christian music that was actually singing scripture yeah. is what it was because it would make me meditate. I'm like, what is this, what is this about? And that would make me want to learn more and read more. Um, I mean, there's some caveats to that. I think not all music's a, is of equal quality, but it gets you started. Or, or I, I know there are other people who... Um, like uh, you, you could be, you're already listening to this podcast. You, there are other preachers and there are other churches that you could be listening to, not to substitute church, right? You, sh you should be in fellowship, but sometimes, man, you could redeem your, your commute instead of listening to, I don't know, shock talk radio or mm -hmm. listening to whatever you could be listening to the word of God being preached yeah. as you're going. And that's, that's still you getting in the word of God. <clears throat> so, you know, and this makes me think about our reading plan. I'm really excited. We are ending this next month. We're going to finish what was our two-year 
covering the Old Testament. Wow. So we did the, two, the Old Testament over two years, and we read the New Testament both years. And then we tweaked it a little bit for this next year. And so I'm excited to, uh, you know, here, here's the, the teaser, but we've got a little bit of an adjustment. And uh, this next year is going to be really wonderful. That's cool. That's cool. All right, Mike, uh, we're coming up on the fourth word. Uh, and the fourth word is sufficiency. The Holy Scriptures are the only sufficient, certain, and infallible standard of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. You want to unpack that a little bit? I think, I think this is so important because what this is saying in spiritual matters, uh, the Bible is, it is all we really need. I'm going to say that again. In spiritual matters, in matters of holiness, of forgiveness, of repentance, uh, the Bible is is all we really need. And the reason this is so such an important truth is because we have so many rival ideas being thrown at us right. about how to live, about how to understand spiritual things, about even how to understand relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you think about some of the debates about race right now mm-hmm. and some of the the influence that critical race theory has in our, our world and even in churches. And, and a lot of these are there are other ideologies that are trying to be be slid in to the church that says, you know what? The Bible isn't what you really need. What you really need is these other ideas for, you know, so you can understand how races are meant to work together. But guess what? The Bible actually speaks to this, these issues so clearly mm-hmm. with such conviction and with such power. And so the point this has given us is, is the Bible is sufficient for these issues. When it comes to issues in the church around salvation, uh, the Bible is sufficient. That, that's the point of this. I, I like that you, your statement was about spiritual things that the Bible is, is, is sufficient. And one thing that, so in the conversation I had with Stephen just last week about um, even that book, uh, Desiring God, in my mind, in my mind, everything is a spiritual thing. But, but the caveat there though is like the Bible teaches me, for example, I should be a good steward. It teaches me stewardship. Yeah. I need to answer that. Well, the Bible doesn't always, it doesn't have like a training regimen for like how to steward my body. It, it does say I need to prioritize that, right? And it actually tells me where in my priority list that should be as, as opposed to like, you know, entertainment and other things like that as well. So that theologically speaking, that is the standard. That is the authority that I'm submitting myself to. But then when we come to the idea of like medical things like that, like I, I check out like what we can know through those mm-hmm. things. So, so what I'm getting at is like, I think there are those who will take the Bible and they'll see this as like, kind of like, hey man, you want a piece of gum? No, nah, man, I got Jesus. Kind of like that, that, that hokey spirituality thing. Mm-hmm. When really like what can be known about the world as we sift through it and what is tangible coincides with what scripture teaches. So theologically, we come to the Bible for the answers and the authority of, of life. And so when we live out the, what the Bible teaches us, there are areas that we can find that, that, that we, we align ourselves with um, physically or emotionally or mentally that illuminate how God has, has created us. And that stuff submits to God. So I guess like in a roundabout way of saying that in an example is like psychology. Psychology is interesting. There's a lot of pop psychology out there, right? There's trash just mm-hmm. out there. But there are some things that we know that like, man, people just, they, you need to take care of yourself. You need to think through it. You need to just meditate. You need to do all these things like that. But it's interesting. The Bible already says, if you're going to meditate, meditate on the word of God, Yeah, meditate on his being the God's presence, what the world calls mindfulness and all these things like that. Actually, it's just being present with God and knowing that he's near. 
those are those are things that the Bible already teaches. And so, I, yeah. And you go back to that authority, mm-hmm. right? If if you know you talk about psychology mm-hmm. and. Okay, how are, how are we supposed to think about that? Mm-hmm. Well, if we're thinking about these maybe skills you learn as you counsel someone, but if you're thinking about that disconnected from the, the scripture as your authority, you're, you're not going to actually help someone. Right. Right. And so going back to sufficiency, then we're saying the Bible is sufficient for the things that it intends to be sufficient for. Right. It is sufficient in how you, in the character you should have. It will teach you character. It won't teach you calculus. Right. Right. And we don't expect it to, but it will teach you how to think through your finances. Mm-hmm. It gives you principles for that. It does, the Bible doesn't have a template for how to do a budget, but it gives you principles right. for, for how to do that. Mm-hmm. The Bible will, will give you principles for how to have relationships, mm-hmm. right? It will give you principles for how to care for your inner, your inner being, mm-hmm. your thought life, like yep. all of those things, all of that's in the scripture, right? And so the Bible is sufficient for our, our spiritual lives, which is connected, like you said, it's connected to our character. It is. It's connected to our relationships. It's connected to our stewardships, mm-hmm. um, and that's what, what that's what we mean when we say sufficient. That's in the, yeah. Thank you for clarifying that because I, I, I guess the pushback that I, that I can feel in my mind is like there are those who like who take the Bible and they see it as sufficient. And they use it for things that the Bible wasn't intended to be sufficient for. And I think it's okay to say like, hey, there are some gaps. Like, the Bible is everything we need to know, not everything we want to know. And as long as we maintain that to be the authority, there are other things worth knowing that submit to its authority and its sufficiency. Not that the Bible submits to it. Because remember, the first thing we talked about in the implication was ding, ding, ding. the Bible is the authority yeah. here. And uh, I, it's just, I don't know. I guess in my mind, I prioritize information that I know. And I know like these things, like when I study the Bible, this is far more efficient for me. Like I, right behind you, Mike, you were asking me, what are those books? I got some new textbooks about, um, uh, just health and fitness and things like that. And I'll run into people who are like, you know, that stuff doesn't, Bible doesn't talk about that stuff. So I don't know if I can trust it. I can do, I can't do this or that. I'm like, well, I mean, it's, there's some wisdom in this and I'm not telling you to worship Satan in this. But just because the Bible doesn't talk about it directly doesn't mean it can't be used for God's glory. There are, we, we honor God when we steward ourselves. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, just a perspective that I have on, on that. Yeah. Stuff. Bodily training is of, of value, mm-hmm. much more so training in godliness. Much, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's so Paul, it, right? yeah, the Bible does address some of those things, yeah, but yeah. it elevates the spiritual because hundred percent that's, yeah. you know, yeah. what does it gain a man to, or what does a profit a man to gain the whole world, but to lose his soul? Yeah. You know? And we want to keep the main things, the main things. So anyway, Mike, I think we've kind of come to the end of this first uh, sheet. So let me ask you this. You are modeling this discussion on <laughs> discussions you're having with some teenagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took three weeks, almost three hours to go over this one sheet. What is the next topic? Like, I guess after in our systematic theology series. Well, it's another mini series. Okay, yeah. On uh, on God the Father. Okay. And uh, we'll we'll say on God. Okay. We're going to talk about the characteristics of God, His attributes, His perfections, and we're going to talk about God who is triune. And so um, we're going to spend a few weeks talking about His attributes, His uh, what He shares with us, and what He does not share with us, and His attributes. I think it's going to be. Uh, wonderful to remember for mm-hmm. those who already know some of these things and it's going to be eye-opening and, and awesome for those who maybe this is their introduction to his attributes that's awesome i think that's going to be fascinating as we bring this to a close i think the place where we want to land 
is that the Bible is precious, right? I mean, as we talked about general and special revelation, special revelation, God is specifically revealing special attributes about himself and humanity. That is the Bible. So I hope and I pray that as listeners are listening to this, that we have come to a place where honestly, we've elevated the scripture that we, uh, man, I hope, I hope people's love, I guess, and maybe awe for it has, has been elevated because it is, if we're going to make it in this world, we need to have a high, high, high view of the word of God. And it comes back to those four words, right? Yep. The Bible is authoritative. Mm-hmm. The Bible is clear. Mm-hmm. The Bible is necessary and the Bible is sufficient. I hope our listeners, they, they listen to this and they say, okay, I understand how important this Bible is and it, I'm going to, I'm going to reorganize my life to reflect how important the Bible is. That's right. So Mike, as we bring this to close, will you uh, go ahead and pray for our listeners? Yep. Yep. Heavenly Father, your word uh, it says that it is a, it's a lamp for our feet. It guides us in the right path. And so, Father, we ask that you would help each of us to develop the mindset and develop the heart that can be like the person in Psalm 1 who, who finds their delight in your word. Father, as we find our delight in your word, I pray that you would lead us to be those who meditate on it day and night. Help us to read it regularly. Help us to think about it. Help us to be um, so diligent to even memorize portions of it and to, to store your word in our heart and in our head so that in random moments throughout our day, we, we can just, uh, we can retrieve these truths. We can dwell on them. We can think about them. We can hold them tight. We can find the truth of your word encouraging us and and really guiding the way we think so that we can live lives that that reflect how awesome you are and ultimately live lives that that reflect the gospel of Jesus, that he loved us so much that he gave himself for us, that he died and was buried and resurrected so now we can live and we can live with, with this precious word as our authority. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Ancient Ways for Modern Days, a ministry of Valley Christian Fellowship. If you'd like to check out more resources or even connect with us, go to vcflongview.org.